Welcome to Life Beat, right to Life of Michigan's bi-weekly podcast going in-depth on pro-life news and issues. I'm your host, Chris Gast, RLM's Director of Communication and Education. Happy Friday, everybody. It's been a bit of a slow news week. The only major news item is we've learned that the hearings for Judge Neil Gorsuch's nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court will begin on March 20. Uh, the Planned Parenthood defund is part of the budget, uh, and Obamacare being repealed. That's all going to be later this month, so there's a lot of big stuff on the horizon, uh, but not a lot to talk about this week in terms of news. So I thought I'd touch on a feature that's uh, come up uh, a couple different ways lately. I was reading the 2017 State of Abortion Report from National Right to Life, and in it they had a great discussion about the money that Planned Parenthood gets from large foundations, uh, millionaires, billionaires, the big sources of money that they get. And I thought it would be an interesting discussion, and we also had a question about this on our Facebook page, um, talking about billionaires and their obsession with overpopulation, which of course often bleeds into support for abortion. So I'd like to just go through a couple of uh, foundations, names that you'll know and heard of, uh, that have supported uh, the abortion movement, I think you'll be pretty astounded. Now, this uh, podcast is going to have a few more numbers than usual, but I really want to give you a clear overall picture of just the large amount of big money that our opponents have at their disposal. First, I'd like to talk about the David and Lucille Packard Foundation. If you have a Hewlett-Packard printer, well, that's where the genesis of that foundation was, the Packard family and the Hewlett family. Uh, both the Hewlett and the Packard families, their foundations give to Planned Parenthood. Uh, the Hewlett Foundation, uh, from 2010 to 2014, gave $22.8 million to Planned Parenthood. Uh, the Packard Foundation did not give quite as much, but has a much more diverse list. Uh, you look at just 2013, the Packard Foundation gave 455000 to Planned Parenthood, a quarter of a million to their Gulf Coast affiliate, 170000 to the California Planned Parenthood Education Fund, 150000 to the International Planned Parenthood Federation, and the Guttmacher Institute, which is closely affiliated with Planned Parenthood, got $2.9 million from them. And that's just in 2013. So it's millions of dollars from Hewlett-Packard printers. Uh, specifically with the Packard Foundation, uh, you look back in 2000, they loaned $10 million in order to make the abortion pill RU46 available. And as we're going through this list, you'll kind of see a theme that medical uh, medical abortions, RU46, is a very popular thing with this billionaire set. George Soros and his Open Society Institute, uh, very well known to people. One of Soros's family members used to serve on the board of Planned Parenthood. Uh, he's given them a lot of money over the years. Uh, I just want to highlight the most recent gift. In 2011, they pledged $20 million, that's uh, George Soros's Open Society Institute, to build abortion clinics, specifically in the South, in the Southeast, in America. Uh, now, Soros spreads his money everywhere in terms of politics, you look at the recent Women's March, and most of the groups organizing it have all been given money by George Soros. 
Uh, again, overpopulation, huge obsession of George Soros. Uh, Michigan's own Ford Foundation. I don't, I'm not sure if it's headquartered in Michigan anymore, but this is, of course, from the Ford family and Ford Automobiles, Ford Motor Company, of course. Uh, from 2010 to 2013, they gave $13.5 million to Planned Parenthood. Uh, and if you look at these foundations, um, the older ones, they weren't founded to do this, but over time, um, you look at what they were founded for and several generations, several decades down the road, what these foundations end up funding, and they often get captured by people with different interests than the original founder. Um, Ford Foundation, of course, uh, very notorious in terms of Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood's president, Cecile Richards, serves on their board. Great way to get money. Uh, the Gates Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates, of course. Uh, now, they fund a variety of different things, but population control, uh, contraception, um, very big. Now, they try to claim that it's all, they really don't fund abortion, but they, of course, give money to Planned Parenthood. From 2010 to 2013, they gave Planned Parenthood $14.5 million. Um, and uh, you look at all the other money that they spend. In 2015, they spent more than $300 million on family planning and reproductive health care. Again, very obsessed with population control, overpopulation. Warren Buffett is, is giving them huge donations and billions of dollars uh, specifically to pursue that. And, and really what I want to get into here is uh, the Susan Buffett Foundation because <clears throat> of all the billionaires and foundations, Warren Buffett has, has been called the king of abortion. And as I go through this list, uh, we kind of breeze through the other ones, but I really want to focus on this list because Warren Buffett is really um, the foundation of abortion in terms of private money. Of course, Planned Parenthood gets half their budget from you and I, the taxpayers. But uh, them and other parts of the abortion industry massively supported by the Susan Buffett Foundation. And when you really look at the fact that Warren Buffett is uh, very well known, very widely regarded, uh, his corporation Berkshire Hathaway, very influential, um, and he is really commits or well focuses a lot of his philanthropy on abortion. Unlike Gates, the Gates Foundation that tries to claim it's just about, well, which is really about contraception, we really do other things. They try to hide the abortion connection. Um, you know, Buffett doesn't really go around talking about it, but from his money, it's just astounding, the level of commitment. And uh, National Right to Life provided an excellent list in their um, 2017 State of Abortion report that details all of this in depth. So let's just look at this, how much money Warren Buffett gives to Planned Parenthood. And I, I can't stress that enough. This is a lot of money. Uh, just in 2014, in one year, Planned Parenthood received $40.6 million from Warren Buffett. And that's just a national organization. They gave the affiliates around the country $13.4 million. The International Planned Parenthood Federation got $9.6 million. Uh, the Guttmacher Institute got $3.7 million. And Planned Parenthood's Political Action Committee uh, recently got $7.3 million. So you add just that number up right there, and that's $74 million in just one year that Warren Buffett has given to the abortion industry. 
Now, I don't have the budgets of National Right to Life and all the affiliates and all the pro-life groups around the country, but I would guess that you could probably run the pro-life movement very easily on $74 million. And that is just Planned Parenthood. Listen to these other numbers. Uh, Warren Buffett is given 26 in just 2014, remember, gave $26.7 million to IPASS. Now, IPASS, they develop and sell hand-operated vacuums for performing abortions in poor and rural nations. $26.7 million for that. He gave $28 million to Marie Stopes International, which is uh, an international abortion organization, very similar to Planned Parenthood. They perform many abortions. He gave $26 million to the National Abortion Federation. Now, the National Abortion Federation is like the trade group for abortion clinics in the U.S. So that's $26 million in just a single year. Gave $3 million to Catholics for Choice. Uh, you see some other, you can call this smaller donations to political groups. Gave $2.5 million to the Center for Reproductive Rights, which is a uh, pro-abortion legal group. Uh, somewhat similar to Alliance Defending Freedom on our side. Uh, gave $2.1 million to the Population Council, and we'll get into that uh, in a little more depth in a minute. Gave $2 million to Genuity, which promotes abortion pills worldwide. Um, of course, Population Council produces the abortion pill in the United States. Um, gave $2.6 million to Rewire, uh, which is a pro-abortion news service. used to be called RH Reality Check. Some other smaller donations. Gave $300,000 to the Feminist Majority, $450,000 to the Medical Students for Choice, $750,000 to NARAL, uh, the National Abortion Rights Action League. Uh, he gave $13 million to the University of California in San Francisco. Now, the UCSF is kind of, I like to think of them as Abortion U. They uh, train a lot of abortion providers. They do a lot of abortion studies. They are the university center for abortions. And, they gave, uh, and Buffett gave them $13 million through the Susan G. Buffett Foundation just in 2014. Another interesting donation is uh, you look at the recent Supreme Court case on abortion, Whole Women's Health versus Hellerstedt. That, of course, was the Texas Abortion Clinic Regulations, um, and Whole Women's Health was the abortion uh, abortion facilities uh, company that runs them that was suing. Um, now, uh, he gave Whole Women's Health $890,000 in 2014. Um, that's a lot of money. And, of course, they are a abortion business. So they already make money. So uh, you wonder if that paid for a lot of those legal bills. That's, of course, speculation. He also gave $2 million to the University of Texas. Now, why is that interesting? Well, uh, the University of Texas had a policy evaluation project at their Austin campus, which basically was a pro-abortion department um, running interference for Texas abortion clinics trying to attack Texas's pro-life abortion clinic regulation law. Of course, the Supreme Court cited some of their information in their case, and so you could say that Warren Buffett was instrumental in taking down abortion cl clinic regulations in Texas. appears to be from his donations. So Warren Buffett is basically the cornerstone of the abortion movement. 
Now, the, the upside for them, obviously, is they get a ton of money. Uh, the downside, of course, is that if, if Warren Buffett ever decided to stop giving, if someone were able to convince him or the people who run his foundation uh, to stop doing it, it would cripple a lot of the abortion industry. Would that ever happen? I don't know, but uh, one can hope and pray. Um, now, of course, Warren Buffett, very concerned about overpopulation. Uh, that's why he gives to the Gates Foundation. Um, one thing I do want to then kind of switch gears a little bit into is one of these organizations that receives some of this money. Uh, we mentioned a couple times, the Population Council. Now, the Population Council uh, was founded by the Rocker, uh, the Rocker, uh, excuse me, the Rockefeller family. Of course, uh, the Rockefellers very wealthy. Uh, they were the fam Their family business was Standard Oil, which today uh, you might know as various companies that have since split off um, because uh, their monopoly, very famous in politics and history, um, was broken up. So, like uh, Amico, for example, used to be part of Standard Oil. Uh, well, the Rockefeller family uh, founded the Population Council, specifically John D. Rockefeller III. Uh, and, um, of course, this was founded for uh, eugenics, uh, overpopulation concerns, population control. In fact, their second president, Frederick Osborne, was also president of the American Eugenics Society uh, back in the 40s. Uh, the Population Council is significant because they are they hold the license to RU46, which is the medical abortion pill, chemical abortions. And they license that to a laboratory called Danko Laboratories, whose only product is RU46. And the abortion movement did that so that pro-lifers can't boycott, uh, for example, a larger pharmaceutical industry and get them to drop it. So the Population Council is responsible for every medical abortion in the United States, which is hundreds of thousands in a year, and that's millions over the course of several years since 2000 when it was introduced in the United States. Now, uh, Population Council, who supports them? We talk about obsession with overpopulation. Uh, it's very widespread. Uh, these are governments that give to the Population Council, our own government, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, the Netherlands, uh, even Ireland, which has pro-life laws. Many of our multinational organizations contribute to them uh, through the UN, UNICEF, UNESCO, the United Nations Population Fund, which, of course, uh, supportive of the one-child policy in China. Uh, the World Bank gives to them, the World Health Organization, uh, major corporations, including insurance, uh, Bayer, IBM, Aetna, Cigna, other foundations, uh, ones that we already talked about. Uh, the MacArthur Foundation is another large one that gives to them. Our own in Michigan, the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. You think Kellogg cereals in Battle Creek. Um, W.K. Kellogg, not just funding PBS children's shows in the morning, but also abortion pills in the United States. Now, of course, Population Council, like many others, will claim, oh, well, we do a lot of different things and help in a lot of different ways. But again, every abortion pill in the United States is courtesy of the Population Council. I wanted to bring that up because we got a question on Facebook this week. Uh, specifically, someone was uh, curious that if the same company that produces the abortion pill today also produced 
the gas Zyklon B that was used in the Holocaust, which um, not really the case. A lot of those pharmaceutical companies have combined and split off. Uh, RE46 was first developed by a French pharmaceutical company. Um, but I thought um, as we responded to that question, um, it really got just me thinking is, as I was responding is just how influential the Population Council is and how many governments, corporations, business interests, billionaires, foundations contribute to this, knowing full well that this is the organization responsible, just like Planned Parenthood, for hundreds of thousands of abortions. So let's get to the why. Why, why this obsession with population control and why are the roots of it so deep in everything? Um, well, uh, population control, uh, overpopulation, that's no new thing. Since ancient times, classic philosophers have been direly concerned about population. You can go back and read Plato and Aristotle wringing their hands about out-of-control birth rates in Greek city-states thousands of years ago. Um, the modern population, overpopulation scare really started with a man uh, you may have heard of, uh, the Reverend Thomas Robert Malthus. And he wrote a tract in 1798 claiming that overpopulation was soon going to swamp the population of the globe, back when there was about a billion people on the globe, not uh, 7 billion as there are today. Now his argument was that the population growth uh, was exponential, means doubling and doubling and doubling, whereas uh, the land area you use for farming only grew geometrically. So eventually there's going to be too many people and not enough land to grow food. Obviously, uh, his concerns, which were widespread in their influence at the time, of course it had critics as well, uh, but it didn't come true, not at all. Now I suppose in some certain sense uh, the earth can only support a certain number of people, um, but certainly you look at current technology, technological advancement, and how well-fed people are today, and we're nowhere near that. Uh, our experience has been simply that uh, technology and human ingenuity always manages to find a way. Um, I think Nicholas Eberstadt is a uh, writer. He studies economics, also some demography, and he has a great quote, um, you know, of why our population is increasing so fast. And uh, it's not necessarily that we're breeding like rabbits, he says, but that we stop dying like flies. If you look at the medical advancements in the 20th century, are truly stunning. Antibiotics, uh, vaccines, um, simple infection control, cleanliness. Uh, you look now at medical imaging technology, and um, the reason we have so many people is people live a lot longer now. People are living to be 70 and 80. The average person can expect probably to live till about 80 now, as opposed to 30, 40, 50 at points back in time, where you look at child mortality rates and they're just staggering how many people didn't make it past childhood. That kind of deals with the abortion debate, you know. Um, it, there's never been a better time to be born and have a greater chance for to be well fed to have a uh, econ you know a good economic future um why today when we have so much uh, so easy 
to raise children in such a wonderful economic um, uh, economic environment? Why is it today that we're so focused on population control and abortion and worried about the bleak future an unborn child might have, whereas we didn't have it 100 and 200 years ago, at least not in terms of our elite society, our billionaires and foundations donating to that. If anything, underpopulation is going to be concern in um, a short number of years. And again, I could, I could go on for a couple of different podcasts exploring this, um, but just you think about China, Russia, uh, Europe, the birth rates are extremely low below the replacement rate, which is 2.1 uh, children per family. Um, you look at our debt and entitlement crisis. Um, economists today are predicting permanent slow economic growth as far as the eye can see into future. Of course, you know, those are just predictions. But, I mean, just using Japan as a perfect example. When I was uh, growing up still, one of my favorite books was a uh, Michael Crichton book about uh, murder mystery um, in Los Angeles, and the premise of the book was Japan was taking over our economy um, in the late 1980s, that they were going to uh, do everything, um, and Japan had astounding economic growth uh, post-World War II. But you look at Japan today, and they have, they're in their, what, I think their third lost decade, they call it, of economic slow growth. And no matter what they try to do, uh, nothing gets them out of it, no matter what gimmick. And uh, why is that? Well, because Japan's population is simply dying away. Rural villages are becoming uh, in danger of becoming extinct as uh, young people either move to the cities and uh, other families just simply are f- refusing to have children. Um and it, you know, really, this overpopulation concern is just overblown. You look at the global poverty reduction in the last three decades. Um, as I said, there's never been a time, a better time to be born in the world from an economic standpoint. Um, of course, there's still areas of dire poverty, but uh, anywhere in the in the globe, on, on a regional level, um, any you know, in Africa, in South America, Australia. Um, South Asia, East Asia, everywhere. There's never been a better time to be born. Overpopulation is not a significant threat. And, you know, I can go into that in greater detail, but um, because we're running out of time here, let's just focus on sort of why is there this obsession? What's driving this? Why are all these foundations, um, why is Warren Buffett giving billions of dollars to the abortion industry? Well, here's a couple ideas um, that I've heard, and I'll let you be the judge, and you can come up with your own theories. Um, some ideas are that uh, you know concerns about climate change are the prime motivator here because more people equals more pollution. Uh, I would say I would kind of disagree because obviously population panic has existed long before we had environmental scares. I don't think Aristotle and Plato were worried about uh, <laughs> worried about global climate change or global warming. Um, some might say that uh, it's good to have a constant crisis looming over us to provide motivation for political efforts. A try could suggest that the billionaires aren't really concerned about overpopulation. That's just what they say for uh, multinational control. Um, again, I don't think that's really accurate. I mean, I think these billionaires sincerely believe overpopulation is going to herald the end of the world and soon. 
Some might say it's still the eugenics movement. They just don't call themselves eugenics. Um, and the goal there is to stop the inferior poor from breeding um, and swamping the uh, elite rich class. Uh, this was very explicit in the first half of the 20th century. Um, of course, it came out of, out of style after uh, the Nazis showed uh, what, you ha- what happens when you take eugenics to its natural far end of the conclusion. Um, now, eugenics was kind of born out of a politics of societal evolution. Uh, so, you know, that could be the case. But again, I think, I think these people are genuinely concerned. And I think it's a genuine belief that they think that overpopulation is real. And so this is my personal theory, which you can agree with or disagree with. Um, All the wealthy people, all the heads of these foundations, uh, government elites and their capital cities, these people all live in hyper-dense cities, like New York, for example. And all of their philanthropy uh, for helping the poor happens generally in poor countries, specifically Africa and South Asia. And these are countries with very high birth rates. So I think that these people generally psychologically associate wealth with small families and poverty with large families. This is why you know economists who are earnestly trying to figure out, for example, um, and government officials are why countries like Japan are, you know, their economies are slowly dying and they don't really connect the simple obvious truth that people are engines of production and when you limit the amount of people in your society you're limiting the engines of your production and as older people are living longer and need more care uh, more of your production of the young is going to be devoted to caring and rightly so for our older generations we don't have the young people to continue the massive economic growth we saw in the 20th century as again as uh, Eberstadt pointed out, that um, we stopped dying like flies and we were able to really have our first generations born into um, astounding material wealth when you look at history of poverty and starvation and malnourishment and plagues and whatnot. And so I think, too, that this um, the fact that they all live in this these hyper-dense cities they associate wealth with small families. Um, and then there's just an element of groupthink that one or two influential wealthy people uh, started a runaway train um, you know, in the early 20th century. Uh, maybe you can blame the Rockefellers. I, I'd love to look more into the in-depth history of it, but um, that's what all the rich people around them believe. And this is what they all go to these international conferences to talk about. This is what their foundations and the people they hire all want to focus on. And so it's all just a lot of groupthink. Um, and it extends all, all the way around, um, I hate to use the term like this, but you know, elite culture, universities, government, business. They just reinforce themselves. And they can't see outside of their own psychological association. So that's that's my theory. You take it for what it is. Uh, but if you like more details on this, um, there's a lot of different resources out there. Um, I encourage you to go and look out there. I just want to highlight it because um, the other side is obsessed with population control, and abortion fits right in. And that even filters down to 
the lower level of people who aren't billionaires who don't run foundations, but you might have an argument with abortion. Um, I've been at a, uh, a graduation open house where uh, a lady in a conversation was endorsing China's one-child policy and forced abortions because there's just too many Chinese people out there. Um, and maybe this woman is perfectly nice in other you know, parts of her life, but um, people are led to believe this. It filters, the group think filters down. And so you're going to counter this at some point if you're arguing about abortion. I think it's good to know that uh, our other side is extremely well-equipped and extremely well-funded, and um, we are not always in the same way. But we have people power, and people power can often overcome simple elite groupthink. And that's, of course, our mission. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of LifeBeat. Join us again in two weeks. We're going to deal with the, you know, the big issues looming in the next couple weeks. Uh, Judge Neil Gorsuch, his nomination to the Supreme Court, uh, defunding Planned Parenthood, Obamacare. We'll have a lot more for you in two weeks to talk about, so join us then. Thanks, and have a great weekend.